If you're dealing with fatigue, low thyroid, or high blood pressure, and you've been led to believe that a prescription drug or herbal protocol is going to provide the solution, then you may find yourself disappointed with the end result. What if I told you that your belief system has more to do with your diagnosis and treatment than any pill, potion, or alternative modality? That's what we're discussing today on the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, where each week you'll hear the real-world experiences, life lessons, and guided principles that every highly driven man needs to master, their health, productivity, and relationships by sharing conversations with the world's most successful people in fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindset. Meet your host, Benjamin Brown. He is a fitness and nutrition expert, consultant to Fortune 500 companies and world championship sports teams, a husband and father of three, and has been helping men transform their physiques, optimize their energy, and own their fatherly mission since 2005. Thank you for joining us today, and without further ado, let's jump right in. Struggling to find a solution to your health issues? With the rising popularity in naturopathic medicine and commonly held belief that there's a pill for every ill, it can be easy to think that where conventional medicine may have failed you, alternative medicine could provide the panacea. But as one naturopathic doctor has seen firsthand, the path to true health lies not in the treatment, rather in one's ability to identify what's really at the root of their health problems. Dr. Saman Rezai observed early in his career that much of the dis-ease that his clients were experiencing was, in his opinion, self-induced or psychosomatic, likely brought on as a product of their upbringing and ingrained belief systems. As such, he knew he needed to create a new model for how he treated his patients that encompassed more than even the traditional naturopathic model had to offer. Over the last several years, Dr. Rezai and his wife, Dr. Beardsley, have addressed the missing components in both allopathic and naturopathic medicine through their Blocks of Health model of healing. This healing methodology, as the name implies, has numerous building blocks addressing physical movement, the process of nourishment and elimination, as well as emotional connection, both with ourselves and our environment, to promote a comprehensive and systematic approach to health and healing. In this fun conversation that we actually did in my kitchen while sipping on uh, Johnny Walker Blue Label as a birthday present for me, we discuss uh, Dr. R's experience with the 75 Hard Challenge that was developed by the MFCEO project leader, Andy Frisella, why exercise can be a negative stressor on the body and how to turn it into a net positive by factoring in sleep and nutrition and recovery. We talk about how even the most health conscious people abuse their bodies only to turn to both allopathic and naturopathic medicine as a band-aid, we discuss how sleep is so directly correlated with hormonal output and risk for injury, our ability to perform, and then of course how it can negatively influence our children's growth and resilience. We discuss real or perceived emotional trauma and how it can influence our genetic expression, and then we dive into what constitutes Dr. R's numerous blocks of health, beginning with, and possibly most importantly, who you believe yourself to be. So this was a really fun conversation with my friend, Dr. Saman Razai. I appreciate you guys listening. If you love this episode, then do me a huge favor and leave a positive rating and review. Make sure you subscribe in iTunes so that you don't miss any of our episodes and share this with someone that you think could benefit. As always, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to listen. I hope you're finding some value in these episodes. And with that said, enjoy. Dr. Saman Razai, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. How you doing, man? Good, man. How's it going, man? Awesome. So you are here. So let's paint the picture for everyone. So we are in <laughs> studio right now. We're chilling in my kitchen, uh, or dining room, if you will. And we are sipping on some Johnny Walker Blue. Cheers. Happy 40th. Thank you very much. So this was a delightful 40th birthday present that... Uh, Dr. Saman brought over for me, and uh, I told him that we were going to wait. So this was, when was it? Um, in late June. June. Yeah. And I told you I'd wait for you to uh, crack it open uh, until we could sit down and do this podcast. So yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. <laughs> Got around to it. Now, even better though, is this is your first sip of alcohol in the past three, three months. months. Yes. How's that feel? It tastes... <laughs> <laughs> 
amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes really, and to be blue label, like I couldn't even quantify that. It's good stuff. So why don't we just jump in and let's talk about sort of what prompted this whole abstinence from alcohol and, and, and this whole challenge that you just finished up. I think that's a great way to get started. Yeah. So I would, the real abstinence is probably my kids more than anything. <laughs> so like once our littles came around, like I obviously don't drink as often. Yeah. Um, but a colleague and good friend of mine, Dr. Ben Cameron said, Andy Frazella, who's the MFCO has a 75 hard challenge. And uh, he's like, let's do it. And there's like five rules to follow. Uh, number one is you follow some diet for that 75 days and then no alcohol and no cheat meals. Um, number two is work out um, 45 minutes, two times a day. One of them has to be outside and it can be like walking. Cause that's what I did. A lot of mine was just like walking. I wasn't doing anything crazy. Uh, a progress pick every day, uh, read 10 pages of either personal development or entrepreneurship and drink a gallon of water a day. So how do you feel? Awesome. I mean, I showed you the transition picture. Like I yeah, don't, I don't keep impressive. track of weight at all, but like I could tell you just like abdominally, like I feel like I lost so much visceral fat and I just, my energy's better, like a much clearer head, more motivation. Cause I got myself to say no to so many things. And like, that's one of the things that he tells you is like, you're going to build willpower. So our youngest daughter, Olivia is almost four months. She's going to be four months. So like mm -hmm. we were stressing yes. at night, like me and my wife get the three kids down in between like six to seven thirty, And then it was just like, and you have three kids under well, my oldest. So my daughter is three years, three months. Our son is yeah. going to be 22 months. And then our daughter's almost four months. Yeah. So you've obviously got your hands full. And so with a one month old newborn, uh, and the other two kids under three, it's just chaos. Yes. So it makes sense that you plugged it in when you did. Oh yeah. Like he, he's, he actually reached out to me and I'm, I've told him we were done. Like I'm super thankful. We're actually supposed to go for a hike tomorrow and then I'll actually have a drink of scotch too. So with Brent. Oh, great. Brent. Yeah. Okay. The guy who, who kind of asked me to do the program. So like I was already drinking a gallon of water a day. I was already Yeah. That didn't seem like too terribly difficult. Personal development stuff. Um, the progress prick was super easy. The diet for the most part, like I didn't really do a special diet. Like some people really go like he did like gluten dairy free. Like right. I just literally, I can eat whatever I want, but like I had to be sitting down for a meal. Yeah. yeah. So like I usually start a day off with like a fat coffee and then maybe I have a meal. Like my first meal really is technically in the afternoon and then dinner, like with the kids as a family and that's it. And so cutting out all that nighttime snacking was like huge yeah. and adding activity. And like, I, I didn't do anything crazy. Like I told you I was doing steps. Right. Like I'd go walk my 45 minutes outside. So I, I think that's pretty cool. So you did a couple real food meals. You did kind of a, a calorically dense coffee in the morning and yep. that fueled you through the morning and no snacking in between, which is something I talk about a lot on the show. It's just kind of three or four solid meals without snacking in between because it just made sense in terms of like ultimately you're just controlling your calories yep. throughout the day. And we tend to obviously get in trouble when we're snacking, which a lot of people do all day long. There's so many opportunities. And what are they snacking for? <laughs> sure. Because it's stress and <laughs> yeah. we're bored or we're thirsty or we just need something to do or some sort of stimulation. Or, exactly. So, so kind of what were a couple of your big ahas with this past 75 day plus experience? I, ha I honestly had a lot of times in my head, especially at night that again, it would be end of the day, like kids are down for the most part. We don't, I don't do a lot of stuff at night because like usually I'm blown like brain wise. So I'm usually more of a wake up in the morning, get stuff right. done or do it like when the kids are napping middle of the day or me and my wife cover kids and then we kind of do our work. So mm -hmm. the, the end of the day, nighttime snacking, like just when it popped in my head and just kind of be like, okay, like I see the thought in my head. Let's just like, cool. Yeah. Wait like five, 10 minutes. And then sure enough, like that thing would go away. I think when you have some concrete rules in place too, it makes it so much easier yeah. to just put the kibosh on those thoughts and and, and then, like you said, it's like, why are you, why do you want something anyways? You're just bored. Yeah, we're just bored, yeah. You want some stimulation. Or End of the day, we're just kind of hanging out. Like, it's just kind of like, that was like our, my wife and me, like happy hour. Like, I was, I was just hanging out, connecting. And so then it's like, we when we go shopping, we'd buy like chips and other things. And so end of the day is like when we would kind of yeah. jump in and do that stuff. And so like, yeah, committing to something. Cause I'm, if, if I commit to something, I'm all in and I'm like, I want to do that all the way. So like, I already knew that I was going to stick with my meals and I still was eating like, like, don't get me wrong. Like I had a little bit of sweets here and there. Like if it was at the end of a meal, if my wife baked something after we had a meal, I'd have it after the meal. So like that stuff was not really hard. Like I really didn't like, 
restrict like where I was like oh like I white knuckled I couldn't have anything I was still eating whatever I wanted I just the snacking like said like I just cut that out so you lost how much weight I, I didn't keep track of weight I, I haven't weighed myself and I couldn't tell you how long okay but like I just cool. I, I well, just know that like pants shorts like my abdomen like I don't feel as bloated like the, the pictures, pictures were significant. Yeah. I mean, you obviously could tell. And what I think was really cool is, so the pictures were significant. Like you obviously lost a fair amount of body fat and, yes. and your body composition obviously changed based on the pictures. But you know, you said you didn't do a whole heck of a lot of like structured exercise outside of a lot of walking per se. And, and one of the things when you were over here, we had a Halloween party, you know, a month ago. And I asked you what sort of strength training or intense exercise you've been doing. And what you said was, Something to the degree of, I haven't been doing any because I'm not sleeping enough. Mm -hmm. And I, that actually was pretty profound for me and something that I really wanted to share with our audience because that sort of mindset around exercise is not the norm. Right. So unpack that a little bit. I always explain to people like when you do exercise, it's a negative on your body. And the way that it turns into a positive is you have to drink enough water, you have to eat enough quality calories, and you have to sleep enough. And so what I really learned from my, all through my life I've always worked out and like abused my body and done all that stuff. But like with my first daughter, like we really weren't getting sleep and I was really trying to like kind of work out because I usually, it's, yeah. it's a way that I decompress. Yeah. So I get rid of like stress and emotional, like a lot of people do via physical like outlets. So, but when I was doing that, it was like, I was like putting more weight on because mm -hmm. I was, we were up in the middle of the night. Like, I mean, right. if we strung like a couple hours together, you know, you've been through all this and it was just like, okay, if you did like three hours, you were like, woohoo, like I, I'm a superhero, right. but my body couldn't recover from doing weights or like stuff that I've always done. And I was just like, I can't do it. And so I always tell people like, if, if you're not going to sleep enough, then you don't technically deserve to like exercise because you're not mm -hmm. going to take care of your body. You're going to create more inflammation. Yeah. And then you're, you're not going to make those gains and people get frustrated and they're like, well, I'm, I'm working out. And it's like, how much do you sleep? This is always my first question. Even like when I just work with clients, I want to know how much they're sleeping because you can correlate how they're doing usually by how much they sleep. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just more stress on the body mm -hmm. and you can't just keep, it, it can't all be just yang going out, out, out because everything we do is yang Yep. and we're totally neglecting the opposite, the yin. And uh, so, you know, that was great for me to hear too, though, because I'm in a similar situation with young kids yep. and I've been in that, I've observed over the years now that that's something I absolutely have to honor about my body. And, but, but I think it's so relevant for so many people to hear because we kind of wear it as a badge of honor and we hear it all the time. It's like, I don't sleep. I train, you know, for hours every day and it's bogus, man. It yep. just, it, it. If you do that, congratulations, but it's not going to last for long. And maybe you're 20 something. Yeah. Yeah. You've got the hormones. You've got the massive hormones. Yeah. So that when I was working in a clinic, uh, especially a clinic that did hormones, what I was finding is people that were abusing their body. I was then prescribing hormones, sex hormones, adrenal hormones, like thyroid hormones to help them keep up with the lifestyle that right. they're living that was abusing their body that like, you, and that's what you see. Like, I mean, studies and research show, like if people start abusing the workouts, the endocrine system starts to crash. Yep. Because you're not getting enough sleep you're yeah. not recovering right and so like i just was like i'm enabling people to not take care of themselves and i was like i in a conscious place can't live with myself that way yeah because i don't believe in that philosophy well it's it's just something that we're seeing a lot more come to fruition and actually acknowledging now and the more people that i interview on the show and the more experts that i talk to and the more people that i work with personally and i know that you work with personally too we're actually seen its effect, you know, when, when we talk about the, the adrenal glands and the HP axis dysfunction and, and, and the cortisol and the testosterone decline in testosterone. And a lot of this is coming from our own free will, Yeah, you know, that we're doing this to ourselves with our own perceptions of what we're supposed to be doing on a daily basis. And twofold, if you don't mind, I jump yeah. in. One, you can, you can scour the research to see that with athletes that they start to, they start tracking athletes and showing that like if the less amount of sleep compared to the people that would sleep up to like, let's say that's five hours, four or five hours up to like 10 hours, you could literally start to tell how someone's going to get injured by yeah. the number of hours they're sleeping at night. And they've logged this. This isn't like just something that I'm like, oh, I feel better. It's anecdotal. Like they have the research trying to show that like 
as athletes sleep more, they don't get injured as often. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it's, it's not like a correlative, like they're showing like, you know, evidence that like you have to get enough sleep. And so the athletes are the ones that work in the most. Right. And then twofold is the thing that like we get trained, we train our kids from a young age not to sleep enough mm -hmm. and to be like, you got to be busy and stay active and do all this stuff. So they, they get like in those first seven years when they're like highly influenced, it's like, you need to be so busy. Right. And then they just continue this on through middle school, high school, they go to college they become an adult and they're just thinking, I got to be busy because we conditioned them that way. Right. So yeah. this is uh, the big thing me and my wife do with our kids. Like if we have like a really big day, the next day it might be like, let's just chill around the house, let them play in the backyard. And even if it's like some screen time, like we're okay with that because when we start pushing them, pushing them, pushing them, but we just see that they get ragged. We're like hundred percent. Yeah. We notice the same thing. And it's almost like, I know for myself, that's what I require. Yeah. So much so that it's like, okay, well it only makes sense that the kids had a crazy day. We're just going to chill. And you know what? We're all going to take a nap and just kind of recoup and recover. Um, let's take a step back. Okay. Tell us a little bit about, so you're a naturopathic doctor. Yep. And what's, what's kind of the background? How'd you get into this field? Okay. So, um, I went to college. I was like pre-dental. Um, I was always thinking dentistry. Is your family dentistry? No, I don't okay. know where it came from. I think my dad had a really good friend when we lived in Dallas growing up and he was a dentist and, and my dad just like really clicked with him. He's a good family friend. And I think I just, I think this is what I, again, I just connected with him. He was a dentist. I was like, I want to be a dentist. Like I could tell you my whole life growing up, I was like, dentist, dentist, mm -hmm. dentist. Went to college. I was pre-dental, biology, pre-dental. Started kind of finishing college and I had some issues. I had a friend pass away. And so I started noticing, like it started making me look at things and change things. And I just went to go do a shadow day at dental school. And I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> no offense, but like for me, the dentist is the worst place in the world. I, I, I joke with my wife that, that you have to be like a total con artist to be a, a dentist. <laughs> the, and, and what was terrifying are the two things people were like, oh, you're going to make a lot of money. Oh, they have the highest suicide rate. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want to be those. Neither of those boats really sound like to put together. You and yeah. You're causing inflicting pain and all that stuff. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to do that. So I ended up taking a couple years off uh, of living with a couple of buddies in a house. Um, I'm actually working at a bar. I'm actually a bouncer at a bar. And the head bouncer guy who becomes a good friend of mine ends up killing himself after a night of drinking. Oh gosh. And so like right there, I was like, boom, done. Like, uh, I'm out of here. I actually asked my dad to move back in with him. I go to grad school, do a molecular biology degree. And then I was thinking I was going to go to acupuncture school at the time. And then my neuro uh, biology professor is like, you should check out this school. My husband teaches there, uh, the microbiology there. And I was like, okay, I'll look into it. She's like, it does acupuncture and all this other stuff. And I was like, cool. So, I end up looking into it at Southwest College here that's in Tempe. Yeah. Naturopathic medicine. And um, I end up like looking into the school and it just was like, I don't know, that's it. So like, I was like, I want to finish my grad degree and then I'm going to go do that. I came and interviewed and then I came here and did that. And and I've just, the, my, the drive for me, so I guess what you're asking, Ben, is that I just have an interest in the body. I've always had an interest in the body. I want to know how it works and I want to know how to optimize it. And for a while, I was like really doing sports medicine and, and understanding like how to do that. And then I think that just become more generalized of being, and so when I was in grad school, we're doing all the molecular, you have two master's degree, like you're, you're doing all the nitty gritty and everybody wanted me to do, do research for them. And I was like, why am I doing research to figure out like all these little things and that, that I, I want right. to know the big knobs to turn. Right. And that's why we talked about sleep for earlier in this, because that's the big knob that affects everything. Yeah. Right. So going to naturopathic medical school was then like giving me all these things to like learn how to like get the body to prime. But then again, what I was doing is I'm working in the disease field. Right. I want to work in the health field. Right. Right. And it's a very different like mindset and paradigm because people who are sick are sick. It's not just like physically, like I hate to say it, unfortunately it's a, there is a big mental, emotional and belief system that goes into that. And so me and my wife had this competition. I would tell you 75 to 80% of people are actually create the, the dis-ease, which leads to the disease in the body in themselves. There is that percentage, and these are just percentages that I've kind of figured out, it's like 20 to 25% where it really is like infection, toxins, right. different things like that. But if you really look at majority of people, it's self-inflicted, self-induced. And a lot of it is just like, again, from the upbringing that we're talking about, that people learn how to live life a certain way and then start creating, like they start seeing the dysfunction from it. Uh, one of the guys, um, Dr. Jason Colbert, I interviewed last week, he said, your biography ends up being your biology. Yep. And it's the whole concept around this neuroendocrine immune system 
and past trauma and how it the the emotional trauma, whether it's trauma or, or something else that literally changes our cellular function. It stays with us. It leaves an imprint, a physiological imprint on our body and affects then therefore affects our health kind of long term. Yep. So he's right. And it goes even deeper than that. So that's where epigenetics come into play because you can't change your genetics. But when you start having those and they might not even be real emotional traumas, like in the sense of like someone might look at like what caused you harm and they're like, that's not a big deal. But to you, it was right. And so that becomes an emotional trauma, which then leads to the thoughts and the feelings, which then you start creating this belief it's system the story that you're telling yourself. And so right. that actually does start changing your genetics epigenetically. So the expression of genes that are regulated up and down via epigenetics, you start to change that. Yeah. And so you might have a good set of genes, but the way you're starting to express them because of the story that you're telling, because you're making your body function a certain way and they're trying to show this more and more and more. And so this is actually one of the first, so the biggest question we ask, and at one point I want to get on with Simon Sinek and say why Simon Sinek got it wrong. He says you start with the why, but we say you start with the who. So you start with who are you? And you're right, um, the gentleman's name, we get a story. So the, where we start with people is tell me your health story. Tell me your journey mm -hmm. up to now, because once we get that, we'll start telling them, you can see their beliefs, like how they live, what they do, how, if they're like people that think things happen to them exactly, and not for them. And then what we end up wanting to recreate is, well, where do you want to go? So where for us is then like our director, which is like your belief system. And if you can get that story and then create a new story, like where do you see like a happy, optimistic future yes. and then live it in the now. And then like it totally can like, this is the work that we're doing with people and we're seeing like big changes mm -hmm. and then we see their lab works and different things change as well. And so like that is what becomes so cool to us Yeah, because we want to tie those things together. Like so many people I think are really moving that way is like the spiritual with like the science and be like, look, it, it seems like woo woo, like you're like, you can create the story and be that, but then to show like the actual like physiological biochemistry, like biomarkers, like how that's actually changing from doing that. That's really cool. Hey brother, are you struggling to find the energy to function at your best as a businessman, father, and husband? I want you to know you're not alone. And sadly, the conventional wisdom these days around healthy eating and exercise that has saturated the mainstream is flat out wrong. If you want to find the solution to optimizing your energy and body composition without restrictive dieting, soul-crushing workouts, or adding more to your already stressful and overflowing schedule so that you can finally function like the man you know you can be, then we need to chat. Are you ready to move from exhausted to energized by working smarter, not harder? Go ahead and schedule your free strategy call at www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. I'm looking forward to our conversation and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. And that's what we see with just in generalizing just weight loss all the time too. It's like, who do you envision yourself becoming? You know, who do you want to be and what does it mean and what steps need to go in place for you to, to get there? How are you going to feel? How are you going to look? What are, you know, sort of clothes are you going to wear? Who are you going to associate with? That's who you are. Yes. So that's, that's, who. You, yeah. you, that's absolutely profound. And, and, you know, I was going to ask you what the biggest difference is between kind of what you do and in, in general, the naturopathic medicine community and I'm just going to say in my mind, that's the biggest difference. We see that the naturopathic medicine is the same in a lot of ways as allopathic medicine. It doesn't make it wrong or right, but it's just saying, well, here's your ailments. Take these herbal protocols, you know, instead of the pharmaceutical drugs. Yep. But it's not addressing any of that deep-seated, rooted, emotional, mental aspects. Yeah. So we call it green allopathy. Green allopathy. So conventional Green. medicine is allopathy. Yeah. And then like we're supposed to be naturopathic right. medicine or integrative medicine or functional medicine. But a lot of times those practitioners are, we call them green allopathy people. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're just replacing like a pharmaceutical with like herbs and different things that treat like a symptom, but it's like, let's get to the, let's get to the root cause. And so, uh, Lauren and me, that's been our biggest push. So we were, we're naturopathic medical doctors. We say by training and we're health engineers by choice. And that's what we do with like our blocks of health. And that's why like we ask the question, who, who are you? Tell us your story up to this point. Let's look at that. Let's create the new story and then figure out because how's the house like at this point with the internet and technology, like it's, it's 
how to lose weight, there are thousands, if not more ways to lose weight. Yeah. But why do you lose weight and then go back to where you were? It's because you didn't change emotional loops, you know, mindsets or like beliefs, right? So there's things that like you have to change up here. Otherwise you're just working at the body or generator level as we call it. Yeah. And so then it's like, it's, it's a fun game. Like you'll go here, but then you're just going to come back. You're just taking action steps and it's not about the action steps. It's, it's what it's, 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 it, it is some of the why behind the action steps. Yeah. So like we, so we asked the who and there's five questions under the who, right? So we really want to go then where, when, what, how, and why with why being at the center. And that's really going to be your driver, but it, and that's your purpose for us, like we call it yeah. the driver, but, but not the purpose in the way that people think like, what's my purpose in life? Your purpose is real simple. It comes down to, are you in a sympathetic or parasympathetic state? That's right. it. That's what drives all your actions. Because if you're coming from a sympathetic stress place, all your actions are going to be stressful and they're going to create chaos and waves in your life of that. Yeah. Right. But if you're coming from a parasympathetic state, you'll be calm. Your actions will be a little bit more collected. You won't react. You will respond or you will initiate action that can help lift you or build health for you. And so like the biggest thing that you need to understand from a driver is just pay attention to where you are all the time because most of us live in a sympathetic state. Yeah, that's such a good point. One of the things that I do with people is, and I know you do something similar, is we talk about drains and charges and we just will sit down and we'll just make a list. Okay. Tell me about all the things that you're doing on a daily basis. Like, let's just talk about all the activities, the responsibilities. And does that, you know, does it drain you? Is it like physically draining, mentally draining for you? Or does it like actually charge you up? You get fired up about doing this thing. And, you know, very infrequently are there more charges than drains. We just, I'm sure you can think about it. It's like, okay, I have to go to work. I have to sit in my cubicle all day. I have to make all these telephone calls. I got to pick up the kids. I got to make this, the kids lunch. I, you know. X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And how many times are we doing things? I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to go take a sauna. You know, I'm going to go out for a, a long walk. Yep. I'm going to go get a massage. I'm just going to sit and do nothing and breathe. <laughs> right? We're like, we don't do that stuff. And that kind of goes back to that. I'm not sleeping enough to, to train. Like, I have to focus on my yin. Yep. Yeah. And the language I would say that you like the, all the, all the negative charge you said, everyone was like, I have to, I have to, I have right. to, instead of like, I'm gonna like making positive, like you're choosing to do something. So like, even if you, you do have work, like you don't say I have to, now it's like, ah, I don't want to do it. It's like, right. I'm going to go to work yeah, and I'm going to be the best person me at work. Like, so you're empowering yourself ultimately to choose to be like, this is what's in front of you. Choose it. Right. Don't, don't just be like, oh, woe is me. This is life is happening to me. It's happening for you. So step into it. And yes, that, I love that. The, the, the drains and yeah, cause that's, that's people are so unaware. Like we use feelings as the indicator, like emotions, how you react to something. If you can tell like it's a positive or negative emotion for you, you can then tell like, okay, this is going to be good for you or this is gonna be really bad. Like because of the way you're perceiving it. Yeah. It's a good way to put things in perspective. I think that's a good time to segue into your business, Blocks of Health. Tell us a little bit about how, kind of how you've built out that business with respect to your, obviously your belief system around health and well-being. So we have always wanted to do Blocks of Health since we got out of school. And we started going like obviously working certain because we used to be we used to do home visits. That's what we were first doing out of school. Go ahead. Which well, so I actually since since you mentioned coming out of school, I mean, you were working with one of the most prominent naturopathic doctors in the country um, in Scottsdale here. And I'm kind of interested, you know, why you guys decided to leave that practice and, and go off on your own. So that was, that was a tough decision. That was a really hard actually decision because it was a phenomenal job, um, high visibility, uh, very lucrative at the same time. Yeah. And actually our first daughter was born and, you know, it's funny, you start having kids and it just, it makes you look at everything. Um, cause I don't think if, if we hadn't had kids, I probably would have stayed at that clinic and, and been there for like the long haul, but yeah. it just, it started me making me look at, it's funny, it turns the volume down on everything. This is just what I say. And then it, it started making me be like, what is it that I really want to do? Mm-hmm. And, and I was really good at what I did there, but it wasn't lighting me up because I didn't feel like I was getting to people's root causes. Like they were coming to me and I was kind of just like enabling them to stay. And then I wasn't in, in there. Unfortunately, I just, I didn't feel like I had the platform to do that. Yeah. So I kind of just stepped away um, after being there for four years and 
being super established, like full schedule, like I'm four days a week, I'm packed out and making a, a very good salary. Um, and I just wanted to do something else and spend time with my kids. Cause yeah. I was also with that schedule. I was like, I'm not going to see my kids. Like we come home at the end of the day, we're tired. She's tired. And I'm like, this is, and we, then we had a second one come in and I was kind of like, I really got it. I, I, I gotta go. That's a tough decision to make, man. I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. Well, respect doesn't always pay the bills. No, I'm just no, <laughs> I get it. I get it. It just falls right into your philosophy. Absolutely. It's like, you know, though, yeah. it's not going to fill your bucket. No. And, and it wasn't, and it wasn't. And I, and I could tell that. And just like the kids almost were like the motivator to yeah. for like, for me to be me. Um, I have no regrets about it. Honestly, best decision I think I've ever made. And we get to see our kids. We get to take care of them. Like before this, I, I had them. I had two of my kids at the zoo. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew I had this in the afternoon. I covered the kids, like Lauren sees clients. And then, you know, we do something that relates to work. So then I come out for the afternoon. She's at home with the kids. I mean, we've just set our life up that way and it, and it works out great. So what we've done now is if we work with local clients, we actually can do mobile visits. So we'll go to their home and do visits or we do virtual care. So we have clients in other states that we kind of just do. We do a lot of more like coaching packages now yeah. because the model like I'll see you once every three months or six months or once a year, you'll bring your blood work. We'll talk about, you have all this stuff going on in your life that we're not going to be able to really address. And then I have to give you something that's actually going to have an effect exactly. to fix your life. And like that just, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. You, you see that with a train. It's not like people come in, you come into the gym one time. Cool. I'm going to train you one time and then let's see each other in six months. And yeah. Like see where you're at. It's you're not, it, well, it's like your results with the challenge that you just did. It's the exercise is important. We can change physique with exercise, the right type of exercise, the right volume, the right frequency. That's fine. But it's about the habits that are made along the way. It's about the coaching. It's about the accountability and it's about, you know, kind of meeting the client where they're at and giving them the tools to make that transformation instead of just saying like, it's, here's not your cookie cutter plan. Yes. Like it might work for one out of a hundred. Great. But you got to find out where they are, what the story is, where they want to go, and then and then insert sort of yourself into the process. Yeah, you just had a great, uh, I, I think, IG post. I'm pretty sure it's you. I've been messing up your IG a lot. But <laughs> I, I think probably shared your, it from someone. Well, I think it was a client of yours. I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but you shared oh, something right. about a client, and she like didn't want to give up like beer and wings. Is that well, right? that was it, yeah. Exactly. Right? And, she, and, and seven, it was seven months later or eight months later, she's like down 70, 70 pounds. Yeah. I mean, and she didn't have to give that stuff up and right. you know, like you met her like where she's at and you're like, Hey, like, because like getting somebody to like completely remove something, a white knuckle, something, it just creates the desire to go back. And not only will they go back, they'll go further because it's a rebound effect. Right. That's right. So creating like what's realistic. And, and that's why we want to work with people week in, week out because you, you got to touch them because you're, you're going to fall down. Like, we fall down. I, I, nobody's perfect. Right. And that's okay. Like being okay with that is awesome. And then you can start then stepping in and be like, okay, cool. It's another opportunity, another opportunity. So you're not so hard on yourself. And then you stop doing things. You're mm -hmm. like, well, I don't want to mess up because I have to be perfect or people are going to just know that. No, just live your life and be you. But like from a health standpoint, it's like, why wouldn't you do the things that are like, that light you up? Like, right. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just one of such a big misconception in our field is in, in two capacities. One is I think as practitioners early on, we feel like we have to be doing everything perfectly. And I've gotten in trouble with that early on when we had our first daughter and feeling like no sugar, no gluten, no dairy. And it's like, God, it's hard enough on myself for those sort of restraints that I'm plugging in, but then my poor wife yeah. and, you know, being postpartum and trying to just, control nutrition it's silly man it's silly um and then two is is clientele or, or if you're listening you know feeling like you have to do the right thing all the time or whatever you perceive to be the right thing like you have to eat quote unquote clean all the time and never touch a morsel of sugar it's it, it's just it's nonsense yeah it's absolute nonsense and you'll drive yourself crazy. That's it. And then you'll just end up like going back to like a worse diet than, than you were even doing before. So like, that's what, that's the part that I think we, if we can just be humble and be there and connect with people, like I think they get so much more out of it because you can actually provide them the space because that's what you do. You provide space for people. Like I'm not fixing people. I'm not making them better. I'm just providing space to let them be them and just be okay with it. Yeah. And I, and that's what I find honestly, most people struggle with. Well, it's, it takes growth and change, you know, to, to get to where 
people want to go to get to where we're always evolving and, and learning from our mistakes and that's necessary. And so they might not even be mistakes. Sure. You know, they're just like learning exactly. opportunities, right? We, we, we label them as mistakes, like language. I'm such a big like stickler on language with people because I'm just like the way we talk to ourselves and the things that we say, like you can just see the pattern of just like, we're, we're just abusing ourselves yeah. and it's unfortunate. And of course, dis-ease is going to happen and disease of the body will, will follow. But you're right. Like, I mean, we, me and you struggled just to like, try to get something like set up, but like, did it ruin anything? We still sat down and we're like here, like doing it plugged in. Right. We figured out it for the record. It took us like 50 minutes to figure out how to set up this in-person podcast. So, you know what, but it, we're, now we know what to do next time. So we're, you know, assuming this all works out, we're good to go. But like, we could have let that just ruin our day and like yeah. throw a fit and come back. Like, you know what? I've just, let's just not do it now, you know? And, and, yeah. and that happens like, I, I find myself sometimes if things don't go my way, it's like I throw a pity party. I'm like, no, who cares? It's, let's still go do it. Like, yeah. Well, the beauty of three kids is you, there's not a lot of things that bother you. <laughs> and nothing really goes the way you're never thinking. Like, sort of, you just got to roll with the punches. Hey, guys. Real quickly, I want to talk to you about my nutrition company, BSL Nutrition, and our all-in-one training drink called Complete Essentials. This is a comprehensive exercise formula that I personally created after experiencing years of frustration working with hundreds of individuals and athletes that were not getting the nutrition that they needed before, during, and after their workouts. After using numerous workout powders that were low quality, overpriced, chock full of caffeine and artificial sweeteners, and were flat out useless, I said enough is enough and figured out how to create a nutritionally dense, comprehensive and high quality product with ingredients that you can feel good about taking and giving to your family. When you use Complete Essentials, you'll no longer need pre, during, and post-workout supplements. You'll save time, money, and energy, and get all of the beneficial nutrients you need in one delicious, easy-to-mix drink. It's just the ingredients that you need to give you great natural energy, improve your recovery and reduce your muscle soreness with no caffeine or artificial sweeteners. You can learn more about our complete essentials at bslnutritionshop.com and check out the show notes below for a nice little discount on your first purchase as my way of saying thank you for listening. That's it. Let's head back to the show. Lay out for us real quick kind of your because your business is called Blocks of Health. Yep. What are your Blocks of Health? So if I can really build this out, we have three builders, which are movement, process, and connect. And then those break down into like two subcategories, which we call them like movers yeah. from the builders. And then we have five assemblers. And these all kind of like cross interact. Okay. Um, so if you want to know about then the three movers, these like control energy for people, right? So movement, process, and connect. And those will break down. Movement is then rest and act. Right, and then process is nourish and remove, and then we have um, connect, which is like self and world. And so what we say is the movement, which is rest and act, like we we're talking about, like rest would let's say fall asleep, and exercise would fall into um, your act, yeah. right? But that so this is just on a physical level, and so that's where the five assemblers come in. Our five assemblers are like your driver, and this will go from inside out: driver, generator, indicator, processor, director. That's you need to apply these builders to those levels mm -hmm. to then move them. And so like what people would identify these five with would be like, if I'm saying drivers, your purpose, generators, your body, your indicators, your emotions, and then your processors, like your mind. And then for us, the director is spirit or beliefs ultimately, because mm -hmm. that's really telling you. And then our questions all line up with that where who oversees those five things. And this will get complicated. I'm sure people yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. But again, it'll go why, how, because how is always what we do with our body and the why is the driver where I was telling you you'd be sympathetic, parasympathetic, and then you go to the indicator, which is emotions. Watch how things trigger you like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And if you can become aware of that, like you'll start being like, you'll understand when to step in and when to step back. Mm -hmm. And so like, but see, that's where movement applies. Like at the indicator level, let's say you have emotion that comes up at rest. That's really reflection to be like, oh, I'm getting angry. So why am I getting angry? Instead of just like letting that emotion turn into like thoughts and feelings and then putting actions yeah. and following in and just causing mass chaos. Yeah. You're going to be in a worse place than you were before. You're like, what am I really angry about? Yeah. It's Should like I the, it's like the, uh, you know, when your kids are doing something silly and you get pissed off and you're like, mm -hmm. take a pause and like, 
yeah. assess the situation. They're just having fun. Am I really? Like, is this really me getting pissed off? Do I need to be in this emotional state right now? No. Right. And so then like the, like the movement part, like let's say if you sit, see that indicator, the emotions happening. So the rest would be reflection, but the act would then be an expression. And that's okay if you're angry. Like we're, we're not saying you get rid of emotions because we're both positive and negative, but, but finding a healthy way to let that outlet out of just being like, be like, I am angry right now. Maybe tell that to somebody or even like sometimes have a hard time with your kids and we're kind of like, Hey, like I'm upset right now. Exactly. Because then they start picking up EQ because you're actually leading that conversation instead of just being like, and I get angry, trust me, like, like the things yeah. happen with my kids. And, but then sometimes I'm, I am like, as I do more of what you're saying, Ben, I step back and when I'm really angry, I'm like, okay, like let them have fun. They're just living it. And then maybe I'll talk it out with my wife and be like, I was really getting charged and angry from that. Was that maybe going back to even just like the way I was raised or I think mm-hmm. that like the house needs to be clean. And it's like, kids aren't clean. They're messy. They're meant to mess up the house. Right. Right. So once I get over that, then it's like all the stuff that they're kind of doing is not as big of a deal. Now there's, there are limits. Like they don't get to just like start like painting on walls, but if we have a certain part of the wall that's dedicated, like you can paint on that, like cool, like or draw, that's great. But like, that doesn't mean you get to do that everywhere. Yeah. Right. So there are limits. Like we're not just saying like they get to have a free for all, but, but understanding those, those three movers and how they apply to your assemblers or the six movers, I'm sorry. And then it becomes really important. And that's why we work with people that way. So like we take their story, which will give us, like where they are for their director, because beliefs are really driving everything that people don't understand. So we break them down. So we, we take them through the questions into the inside, and then we actually have them work their way back out to create flow. Cause when those five assemblers line up then people can line up and do anything. And that's what people just have to understand. If you can get your five assemblers that we're, we're talking about to line up, like that's when stuff just starts to flow. Yeah. And that's when you're creating like from a place that like, there's no friction resistance, you know what I mean? And it's smooth and it's easy and emotions are kind of happening. And then like, so, so many people, the processor for us is really like, oh, I just want to throw this the mind is like people live from here and this should never be driving this car, your body being the car. The mind should be a backseat passenger. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because we're conditioned to, to try to work from here, to, to live from, you know, what we think we should be doing, mm-hmm. what we're told we should be doing as a child. And then what we think we should be doing based on those feelings and emotions. I I imagine that, you know, as you're working through the process and similar happens with me as you're working through the process with someone and you're, what you're really saying is, you you know, basically that someone needs to, in order for someone to change, often they have to change. It's not obviously just taking medication or supplements or starting to work out less or work out more, sleep more. It's oftentimes it's changing their entire environment. And people often come to the realization that the environment that they're currently living in or whom they're living with is not conducive to the healing process. Right. Is that something that you see, you know, frequently that someone comes to the realization that, wow, I'm surrounding myself with things that are sabotaging me ultimately. For sure. And we're, we're so much on that philosophy that like everything on the outside is an expression of what's on the inside. So like you don't need to change your environment technically. So again, you can start to clean up the environment to make it function better for you. But if we start blaming the environment, then it's an external and you're not in control. And so then what we're saying is then like, you have to do all the work and it's inside. Yeah. I mean that, no, of course, like it's not someone else's fault. That, no, it's your fault. And yeah, so we, you, right. We're putting like, like when people start saying like, ah, oh, this happened to me, that happened to me. It's like the reason that you have the health or disease that you have, it's on you. Mm-hmm. Once you can accept that, like the path becomes super easy because we always say the path to disease and health is the same. You walk it, yeah. you create it. And once you get a lot of people, like once you can own that, take that responsibility, like you become powerful. And that's the thing. Then you can create everything because like we have over those five assemblers, when they line up, then creator is the word that ends up happening. You become the creator for your life. And that is what like people sometimes don't step into and miss. It's like, you can do whatever you want. And that's what my kids coming into my life have told me. That's why I left work. That's why like I'm, we're stepping into this business and doing this philosophy because they're reminding me that I can create in this life and in this world. And they're actually teaching me like so much more than I feel like I'm trying to like impart on them or whatever. They're just like reminding oh, yeah. me like be free, live, don't think, like just do, like be an experimenter, like don't be attached to things because they just like do stuff and there's no like worry for them. Yeah. And like that's what we're starting to do with our business and we're trying to 
get people to, to do the same. And so like we have all our words for people to identify to like see things, but we really want them to plug in and like be you, create what you want because you can create health and you should create health, but that's on you. And if you don't step into that, then again, it's on you. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense. So let's start to wrap things up. Yeah. Um, what I want to do is I want to bring it a little more superficial. We are headed into the holiday season here, which is a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal in terms of emotions, the relationships with family, relationships with food, stress, um, whether it be positive or negative relationships. And I would love to kind of get your take on maybe a few tangible steps that people can take if you have anything that you feel you know, you found to be useful to impart as we head into this. I, I think that some of the things that I experience when I'm speaking with people is that there's a lot of stress around this time of year. At the same time, I think that there's a lot of ex really positive emotions that um, people experience because it's, you know, an opportunity to come together. Yeah. And with that, um, food becomes a very big part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people oftentimes give themselves permission to just do whatever they want with food like it doesn't count so what i'd love to know from you is do, you know do you have any practical you know guidelines that you think may be helpful for someone heading in and kind of worried about how they're gonna fare over these next what six weeks or so so going into like our three energies you'll see that movement for us is sustaining energy processes then increasing energy and then connect is about directing your energy and so with movement being breaking down into rest and act like make sure you get enough sleep if you yeah. if you have the opportunity to squeeze naps in do it um, love naps naps are phenomenal <laughs> I, I actually started taking more naps in my life yeah. with my kids around Me than too. ever in my life and they're a game changer and so then like for the act this will be like, you know, make sure you go for walks. Like you don't have to join the gym or anything, but, but go get some steps. Maybe keep track of some steps and get a little extra movement. And yeah, you're going to come to holidays and you're going to have connections and there's people who are going to frustrate you and there's people you're going to love express them like in a healthy manner, you know, try to build those connections. Cause that's part of the holidays. You can look at it as like, ah, oh, crap, I got to see all these people. Or you can be like, Hey, it's an opportunity maybe to like extend an olive branch or bury something, that's it. let go of stuff that you're holding on to Cause you're the one like, Maybe you're upset at somebody, but it's just like poison that you're taking for yourself, the right. expression, right? So like take an opportunity to connect. Um, look at like maybe your mindset around um, how you approach the holidays, like how you look at stuff, how you're going to look at food. Like this is a great way to start looking at your relationship with food. Oh, I'm stressed. I'm sad. I'm going to eat as much as I want. And maybe it's just like, hey, take a little bit of everything and try it. And and I'm not saying not to have dessert because I'm going to have pie. Oh, 100%. I'm going to have pecan pie. I'm going to have pumpkin pie. But like I'll take my plate and you know, maybe I don't need to fill it. So it's like, right. you know, falling over the edges, but like, I like to like, I'll just put a little bit of food in every section yeah. and then I'm like, okay, good. I've got enough. And then I can still do dessert and, and I'm good. Yeah. I mean, do you have to eat the whole piece or are you good with a couple bites? And yeah. then it's like, Oh, I'm good. Yeah. Stop. If you, if you have a heaping plate too, like stop. And like, if you're just like shoveling it down, like because they say it's 20 minutes, right? Like you mm -hmm. don't realize you're full till 20 minutes. So if you're eating that whole full plate in like 15, 15 or five, five. You, know? yeah, you might realize how stuffed you are yeah. until you're just like, Oh geez, like maybe stop and listen to some of the conversation going on. Like ask somebody a question and listen to them and just give your food. Like it's not going anywhere and be grateful and enjoy it. Like take your time, enjoy it, chew, uh, you know, and, and there's no guilt. So two things in my mind that I think about that I think work well for people is like typically because we don't work as much this time of year. So if you're in that particular situation, now's actually a great time to start hitting the gym. You don't have to wait till January 1st. Now's a great time to start hitting the gym. And because you're probably or could be eating more, it, you can almost give yourself permission to exercise a little more frequently, assuming you're sleeping. It's sort of this eat more, exercise more approach. Right. Conversely, if you feel like time is, is extremely limited, um, just be out moving and, and you know, the walking is such a phenomenal way to uh, accumulate need or non-exercise activity thermogenesis, but also to help with digestion. So yes. you eat a meal, maybe before you do dessert, get up as a family, go out, get out, go get some exercise. I yeah. mean, here in Phoenix, it's absolutely perfect this time of year. I don't know if you're in Chicago, you're screwed, but you, know, <laughs> but you, know. you can still find places to walk. That's it. And, it, and take somebody with you. 
and have a conversation, you know? So double down. So like you'll, you'll walk and you won't even realize how far you walked if it's a really good conversation. And you'll feel better and better emotional state. Take your kids, spend some time with them, connect, put the phone down. Yep. Yeah. It's, I think that there's a lot of ways where we can frame it to really turn it into something positive. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like the steps and the walking, it's like the safest activity, like the amount of research they have on steps. Like it's the one exercise where it's like, it's proven that it works. Like Mm -hmm. once you hit a certain amount, like you get the benefit, you're still going to get kind of like that feel good. You're going to get, it's going to make you breathe. You're going to sweat. So you're like detox, like you're going to do all this stuff. And it's like, take somebody to walk with you. Um, and don't get lost in everything. Don't get upset about stuff. And if you are upset about stuff, just look at that. Like, why are you really upset? Right. You know, like one of the things that we, we, and we just, so we start controlling it. Like we don't want like toys out the wazoo for our kids because mm-hmm. we think one, it's a waste. And two, we're just kind of like, at the same time we have grandparents and we know that they want to buy them presents. So we're like, okay, like just buy each kid one gift. Like, so at least we're, instead of getting upset on the back end and the front end, we're just asking for like, if you guys want to buy them clothes for sure, clothes are functional. We love it. But toys, they kind of collect in our playroom and we're kind of like one toy a kid. Like that's all we're asking. Yeah. If you want to do clothes or you want to donate money to their savings, like we're totally open for that. Uh, but we just ask for what we want so that we don't get angry. Because if you bite your tongue, like you just kind of get upset at the end. Yeah. That's it. We're all about experiences as well. And you know, the toys, it's just, they don't play with them. And it's, as you can tell, we don't, we don't have a whole heck of a lot of toys. In fact, I almost feel bad for our youngest because we've kind of cleaned house here. And so like, here, dude, here's a toilet paper roll to play with. But he'll have a great time right. with it. Like I find my kids, like sometimes they take the fly swatter that we have in our house and like they're in the backyard walking around. And I'm yeah. just like, I mean, that thing costs 99 cents and they're having a field day with it for like an hour. Yeah. And they're talking about our summer vacation trips. Yeah. Like we, we're still talking about it all the time. Remember when we saw this, remember we did this and that's you awesome. know, remember I threw that snowball at you and it's awesome. <laughs> and you know, they, that's it. So Simon, it's been a pleasure, man. Man, thank you very much. Where can people find out more about you, about your wife, Dr. Lauren, about Blocks of Health? Yep. So they can go to www.blocksofhealth.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page. And then they can email, like if they want to email me, you can email me directly. You can go to drrezaie at blocksofhealth.com. And I will answer emails if you have questions, if you want to figure out a way to work with us, then we can kind of figure out how that happens. Awesome. Uh, All the links to connect with uh, Dr. Saman will be in the show notes. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate you. And uh, I will catch you guys in the next episode. Peace out. Did you love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show? Then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and review. And more importantly, share this with other men that you know are dedicated to leveling up in every area of their life by learning how to live healthier, more energetic, and productive lives so that they can optimize their health for their family and future. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about how you can work directly with Ben, then just head on over to www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up.